Reactive Attachment Disorder Podcast for Parents and Therapists. Real talk, real time, real issues with Tracy and Jen. Hi, I'm Tracy Turner-Kaiser with Full Circle Family Counseling. I have worked with reactive attachment disorder children and their families for over 25 years. Jen Stadler here is a mother with six children and is an amazing woman who is willing to help me out to give voice to what it's like to live and work with a child with reactive attachment disorder. Together, we are interested in educating, equipping, and encouraging and empowering you as a parent with a child with reactive attachment disorder, or if you're a therapist that discovers that you have a child in your office that is not responding well to traditional therapy. Welcome, and we look forward to your feedback. And I think what you just said was really, really good, that you don't really let, that fine line between letting someone really know what your life is about. Yeah. Um, and Because the times that I've tried just kind of sharing, like, you know, with people that we become friends with, and then I always felt so disappointed mm-hmm. in them because I just don't, like, and it's not their fault. Like, I shouldn't feel disappointed in them. Right. But they'll say things like, well, every family needs to have a kid that kind of gives them a run for their money or... Um, I don't know, like, oh, that's normal for a four-year-old to do that. Right. Or, and you're like, in your mind, it makes you feel almost like you're going a little crazy because you're like, that's not, it's not normal. Right, like, right. you know, it's not normal that they're doing these yeah. things all the time. I've had four, like, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, and I think like, do you not see that I have seven children? Right. Like, I've been through this <laughs> developmental stages before, right. you know. Right. Um, yeah, so that's always interesting, trying to explain to other people. But now, but then, you know, it's also, you feel like a little bit like you're holding back a huge part right. of, of who you are yeah. and of like what makes your life go around. This, these are the, this, our girls are a huge part of our everyday, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's yeah. that fine line of like not sharing too much of their story. Um, yeah. Not sharing too much of it. And just the nitty gritties of it. I think the piece that you brought up earlier was just the, just the, um, the ins and outs 24 seven. Yeah. Like, you know, as a therapist, as a teacher, yeah. as a church person, as a friend, I mean, you see these charming children for like maybe three to six hours a day, yeah. and you're not dealing with this crying mm-hmm. and screaming at night or the just, you know, the just the. the well, it's all surface relationships. Exactly. And so, mm-hmm. who, and I've seen this like with my friends who like their kids have had to go to the hospital, and the therapist see the kids in the hospital and then just dismiss them, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like, well, go back to your family. It's like this, this cycle, right? right. Because. It's easy to have relationships on a surface level with anybody. Right. We can right. do that all day long. Yeah. But it's like when you have to dig in deep to that, like, very scary places of being vulnerable and right. allowing somebody Vulnerability your... and trust yeah. and, and, and being able to trust the world enough that you actually can be willing to let your guard down and be vulnerable enough to follow directions. Yeah. And this is where, you know, these kids are like, absolutely not. Yeah. Yep. And, or and the that, screaming, the raging, right. the like the screaming, screaming and raging, the high pitched yeah. like mm-hmm. screaming, you know. Yep. Um, yeah. 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 And so I've, it's it's a fine line. It is a fine line. Yeah. It is. Because you yeah. want to educate. And you begin to feel. Do you begin to feel like kind of that isolation a little yeah. bit of like. So that's when you don't. When you, yeah. I feel like when I don't, when I'm not allowed to say like, or when people don't believe you, then almost like almost feels like they're judging a little bit, mm-hmm. like it's a reflection of your parenting. Right, Do you know what right. I mean? And yeah. So, like, though our other kids are doing amazing, a little bit, like, and to be honest, like, sometimes I feel like other people think it's almost like a race thing, mm-hmm. you know, like oh. our two black girls, right. they come into our home, yeah. and I don't ever want people to have that, like, 
right, that right. misunderstanding. Yeah. So how do I say, oh, like my kids are doing fine, or even Kai is doing fine, but with the world we live in now mm-hmm. in the United States, I feel like, especially in the South, right. like, I do feel a little bit like, I don't want, like, how far do I say... <laughs> I don't know. It's right. Tricky. I mean, it's a really it's, good point. It's like this is not this is not a race issue. Yes. This isn't this isn't about well, these are black children, so therefore that they act that way. Right. Right. Because and that's what you see in the culture, though, right. at large. Yes. Right. Like yeah. you see, like the prisons are full of black men mm-hmm. and black women, and that's not like that, right. that's not what I want to like yeah. put out there. You know. Right. So it's a fine line. Like I don't want to be like, well, my African kids came home with reactive attachment right. disorder. You know what I mean? Right. But if I adopted from China, sure, the, the child right. would be fine. You right. know what I mean? Or it's even like domestically, this, right? It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. just be fine and the reality is that's not true right right so it, when it I educate hard. I'm always trying to say like in adoption mm-hmm. not just like our right. kids right like, in adoption these are common things that yeah. we see with kids yeah. and kind of put it back from like a professional mm-hmm. kind of way instead yeah. of like just a mom way yep. if that makes sense which is really nice to do, and I think it's great. But also then just for your own self, just, you know, it's like then you don't really get to talk about your own story when you're putting yeah. that professional cap on of like, yeah. well, let me educate you about reactive attachment disorder. Let me yeah. educate you about adoption. Let me educate yeah. you about what my daily life is like. Right. In an articulate, diplomatic, yeah. uh, non-attached, um, clear, concise way. Yeah. Outside of all the emotions about what that, I, that you might be yeah. feeling. Yeah. I'm feeling hopeless and helpless and yeah. worn out and exhausted and angry and yeah. frustrated and yeah. I've gone through all those emotions. Yeah, and yeah. just kind of like want to pull your hair out, kind yeah. of going, and everybody else saying, "Oh, but aren't they just the cutest?" Yeah. Oh, that's kids exactly ever. what happens. Like we'll take them to church, and they're so sweet for the hour they're there. Mm-hmm. We pick them up, and they're running circles. We're always using the yeah. emergency exit to get uh-huh. out the back door, you yeah. know, because we're like we're not taking them back out in front. Mm-hmm. They're going crazy, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and how do we how do we educate just the average person about like what is happening for that child neurologically, yeah. spiritually, physically, emotionally, just physiologically yeah. that makes them just kind of like be able to hold it together through maybe the set you know the, yeah. the service, yeah. but then by the time the end it's like they're or when they get home they're just yeah. like crazy monsters. Yeah. And, and for um, a while then we almost were just like let's just take a break from church. Right. So yeah, for absolutely. six months, eight mm-hmm. months, we just when we moved here we just right. after Will was born we just stopped going. Yeah. Um, and then that was hard spiritually for me. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Like, not that I felt like I didn't have connection with the right, Lord, but, but you don't have the you community. You don't have a community. Right. You know? And so, um, it's just, it's just interesting, like, the, like, it the is. cycle and the ways mm-hmm. that it makes you process not only for yourself, but then for your family, you know? And I'm so thankful that Mike and I have always been, like, so tight through all of right. that, and maybe even closer yeah. because of it. Yeah. Um, but he and said something the other day that was, like, during that meeting, yeah said something like, well, what about the times you don't want to? And I was like, oh, he's never verbalized that before. Yeah. And you shouldn't probably verbalize it in front of everybody. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so then I was just briefly, um, she's a psychiatrist, so I was just briefly like this, the, the attachment cycle has been broken, we're working hard, you know, like, let me scoop up what Right. <laughs> I wish you would have said in front of anybody else. <laughs> what, did he, what exactly did he say? I said something about, like, she was talking about, like, connecting with our kids. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. And... Um, and, and through that, it was like, make sure you're spending 15 minutes, 20 minutes with each kid every uh-huh. night. You're already doing those things. Right. But like, at the end of the night, our girls are a complete disaster. Exactly. And they don't want him. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, he said something to the extent of, 
what happens when you don't want to. Right, right. And she said, why don't you tell me more about that? <laughs> and I was like, no, we're not. Right. Let me save the day here for yeah, a moment. Let right? me just yeah. scoop right in. Yeah. And I was like, well, that attachment cycle's been broken. Yeah. And um, I was like, we tried really hard, you know, and right. how much. And that's a really good point because yeah. a lot of times in the in, in all fairness, you know, the, the therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist is going to say, well, tell me more about, like, why you feel like you don't want to spend time with your child, right? And right. all of a sudden, it now becomes a mom or dad yes. issue. That, so that's just, right, that's versus exactly where I felt it going. Her, her compassion of, like, wow, you guys are worn out. Tell me what's going on with the kids, right? right. And there's valid in both pieces, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think I always, like, this is a piece that I really want to talk to you about therapists is never underestimate the fact that, Okay, many times it, it's a good question to ask sure. the, the parents. Like, so tell yeah. me more about, like, what's going on for you. Yeah. But also just to kind of, like, be able to really tune in and kind of go, wait a minute. Yeah. You know? Am I getting the whole picture? Yeah, I'm not getting the yeah. whole picture here. And to be able to ask the flip side of the coin, which is, tell me what's going on with the child. Yeah. Right? And sometimes that's more supportive for the parent, even if it's not attachment disorder, to be able to right. kind of go, tell me what's going on for your kid here. Yeah. That's making it hard for you to want to spend that time with them. Right. And it's like, oh, okay, now I got it. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, of course. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay for parents to sort of say, man, what a bummer. Really would love to, but I'm not feeling it tonight. My right. love tank is really drained by how much you, like, pulled the paint off the walls right. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever Which it is, right? would do. <laughs> right. I'm always impressed with how... It's only a reactive attachment disorder kid that I've known over 30 years that I work with them that they can literally pull the paint off the wall. I'm always impressed was like wow I didn't know that that was possible you would not believe the rage that we saw in one-year-olds when they came home oh it was just absolutely I'd never seen anything like it Mm -hmm. and I worked with abused and neglected kids I think the youngest I'd worked with was 18 months Uh and we kind of made it a special exception to kind of let him into the practice Mm -hmm. because because we didn't normally see kids that age 18 (laughs) 13 month old little girls in our home Mm -hmm. and it was just like they're just constant screaming yeah. all day long and yeah. attacking each other and the biting and they're just like wild animals mm-hmm. and some that was what it felt like. Right. You know, I'd never seen anything like it. Um, but it's, it has been really cool to see them, to see where they're going. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we go through these things, but we're still moving up. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. seen such a lot of healing yeah. in their life and we know that they're going to continue to be healing. But, yeah. but some of these things are real and they're real life and they're, and they're still struggles some days. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of days are awesome and other days it's like, Right. What are we doing? Right. Yeah. And some, you know, just to know that progress can be just maintaining, right? When you're not yeah. slipping downwards, it's like that yeah. can be progress. Yeah. And, and to know that it is groundhog Sometimes it day. feels like you're, I mean, sometimes right. in the groundhog, mm-hmm. in the groundhog moments, you yeah. forget that you've made progress. Yes. And you kind of need people to remind you. Yeah. But if you can't talk about it with other people, yeah. then how can people remind you of where, you're, where right. you've been and where you're going? Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you need a community and mm-hmm. when people don't understand. So I kind of shared bits of my story with other people and it was always interesting, like, um, the people who were kind of in the process, I mm-hmm. feel like they kind of looked at us like, <laughs> like llama llama <laughs> eyes, you know, <laughs> like, right. and, um, you know, but we never told them like a ton. So I was always right. kind of surprised. Like, oh, you're really surprised by that? Good, good luck. You know? Right, right. But now it's funny, like people who actually have these kids in their home mm-hmm. are calling me like. What has just happened? Right, right. You know, yeah. And um, yeah, go find. Go, you need to find call Tracy. Get yeah. a therapist. <laughs> you do. Yeah. It is rough. It is. It's. It is rough, and it. It does take 
a village, you know, a community, yeah. a support system, yeah. of being able to give yourself a break, yeah. to be able to have that debriefing moment, to be yeah. able to have your own fit, to be able to kind of go, okay, how do I, how do, how do I move forward from here? Yeah. And, you know, and to be able to have that dark, shadow conversation of like I don't really like my kid right now yeah. in fact if I never saw my kid again yeah. I might feel okay about it yeah. and and I've dealt with many parents who literally like they're really like they're there yeah. you know and it's I think more than me wanting to push more than me not wanting in there I just went numb yeah like yeah. it was just a default from my mm-hmm. childhood so I was just like yeah, yeah. like this is the, like almost like this is the only way I can survive yeah. some of my days mm-hmm. is just to like yeah and, yeah. But on the inside, I was still, like, being wired so high that mm-hmm. it took a while for me to come back down yeah. Um, yeah. from just that constant. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, in just this brief conversation, we've come up with a lot of really good topics that that could be expanded on, yeah. right, of just... Um, so let's come up with, like, maybe just, a, like, a few. I think some parents... I mean, we have this good idea of what attachment looks like and what, mm-hmm. like... Um, what healthy boundaries looks like. Okay. But I think a lot of people don't, right. probably. So, so what healthy boundaries look like, yeah. Well, sure. Like, So say that they were never given healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. How are they supposed to give that to their kid, right? Yeah. Yep. And in the class I'm taking, um, she mentions that like our kids are kind of this external beings of self in some right. ways. Right, yes. You know? And mm-hmm. so the way we talk to our kids is the way we sometimes talk to our inner self. And... Um, and so I think it'd be good for other parents, like, well, are, are you shaming your kids? Mm-hmm. Are you, like, how do you speak to your kids? Are you right. speaking in a loving way? Mm-hmm. Are you validating their feelings? I know you're big on yep. that. Like, are you, uh, are you being with them? That's right. something that's, like, maybe yep. a little bit challenging for me because I feel like we're on the go and, like, but being able to box that, right? Yeah. And then coming back around to it and saying, like, I might be in a hurry in a moment, mm-hmm. but I really wanted to hear what you had to say. What you're saying right now is important. I see that you're sad. Mm-hmm. And, like... You know, even from infancy, like, they're showing videos and you see, um, like, the babies, like, doing the same thing as the adults. Like, are the babies crying? And then you have an adult that's, like, kind of mirroring them right. and talking through that. And um, so learning that, like, we can just be with our kids. And that doesn't mean, like, physically, but I think as adults we can be so distracted even in our everyday life, whether yeah. it's, like, both parents are working or whether that's we're on our phone at night or whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But how do we just be with our kids in an effort to support their emotional Right. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, you know, to support their emotional development. Right. Um, and, and it's, and it, I think, you know, those are all valid points. And how do you do that without feeling like you're giving in? Cause I know a lot of parents yeah. that I've worked with reactive with that have reactive children. They're like, when they say, well, just to tune and be with your child, they're like, then they're going to walk all over me. Right. There's this fear. They do. Well, Cause in some ways they do. Right. You almost have to get them past that initial, right. like yep. it's almost like that ocean crest, right? right? Like you have to get past that emotion other or that like they've been wired so different. Mm-hmm. You have to get past that and almost like practice that, practice that, practice yeah. that until you've regrouped some space in their brain mm-hmm. to trust that like being with you is okay. Right. And I think, I think the way to, to, to help parents with that is to understand where your child is on a developmental emotional yeah. level yeah. versus where they are on a chronological, yes. biological age. Yeah. And that's the piece that sometimes can be really hard, particularly when there's yeah. such a huge discrepancy. So you could have a nine-year-old that's like being two, and they're like, I cannot treat my nine-year-old like he's two. Mm-hmm. But if you can actually be there with him or her emotionally and physically and set those boundaries like you would with a two-year-old, yeah. 
then their then their nervous system is going to calm down, and that's the trickiest piece because it is like you said, supporting the child where the development is at, yeah. right? Even yeah. to, despite their chronological age, yeah. because they're stuck. Yeah. And that's probably um, that comes easy for some parents, yeah. and then it can be really difficult. And then parents go in and out of that. Yeah. And it's and it understandably so it is because really they tough. go in and out of oh, it. Oh, absolutely. And so, of course. like a mom that just wants mm-hmm. to meet your kids' needs, that they're four one day and two the next, yeah, or four one minute and two the next mm-hmm. minute. You know, sometimes it feels like it's right. minute by right. minute. Yeah. And so, like most of the time, you're just like, I just want to meet you where you are, but yeah. you're all over the map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, girlfriend, yeah. slow down. Let right. me be with you. Right. <gasps> Let me help you. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so that's a good point. Where meet them where they're at, and um, and. And then how do you do that? What are the tricks, right? Well, it's an attunement, too. Mm-hmm. Like, when you can get yep. into that sync with them, then mm-hmm. that attunement comes back because yeah. then you're like, oh, I'm in sync with you enough to know. Like, I've spent time with you enough to know that you're doing this because of this. Right. And now I can meet your needs better because yeah. I know. Yeah. Because if yeah. we know better, we do better, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it really comes back to self-love because if, because our kids are going to show us how much we love or don't love ourselves. Yeah. And if our love for ourself is fragmented or overly domesticated with, with like shoulds and shouldn'ts and the messages that we, that we got taught as a kid, yeah. that's all going to come up on top of what the child is bringing yeah. with their own stuff. Yeah. And now you're dealing in a, you know, in, in like a Pandora's box of yeah. like, who's is what, who's is who's right. like, is this mine or is this yours? Yeah. Or what is this? Yep. Um, that's true. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so what, and I think that kind of covers like what are all the healthy boundaries and what do they look like, yeah. right? So being able to kind of support all those um, pieces, and then how do you how do you do that succinctly? Yeah. And what are the one liners that you can give your kid that no matter where you're at, you're kind of like, oh okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is that one liner? It's like, oh man, bummer. Right. <laughs> Let's start over again. Yeah, just little tips, little tools. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, like something you told me that I have shared with a lot of my friends that get stuck is like, well, that's not true for me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell myself that. I mean, not as much now, but right. like definitely there's times where something pops up and I'm like, well, that's not true for me anymore. And it's just a way for your brain to just go, whoop. Yep. You know, yeah. like. Right. And there are sometimes those catchy, one, those phrases that sometimes yeah. will just help the brain switch a little bit and kind of go, oh, I, I, I just caught myself. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's not true but it's, for me. It's even being able to recognize that that's right. even happening, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like that awareness mm-hmm. at first, but how do we bring awareness to our kids that right. they're doing the things that yeah. they're doing? So like the disassociation or the dissociation mm-hmm. that they're doing, like um, for us it's been helpful. You know, like the whole mouth, like um, yeah. just that sucking, like mm-hmm. being a sucker has been helpful. Yep. Um, like, you know, their eyes are just like, nobody's mm-hmm. home. What does that even look like? like right. I know what it looks like. Right. But do other people know how to catch their, catch their kids doing that? And then yeah. being able to adjust your expectations and say, mm-hmm. no matter what I tell them in this moment, they're not going to get it because right. they're not even present. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, that's another. And then how do you how do you fix those things? So like exactly. grounding them, mm-hmm. like not grounding like you're right. punished, but right. like how do we ground our body in a way that mm-hmm. helps us that helps us like reset? Right. So whether that's using our five senses, yeah. um, whether that's using food to help that. Um, yeah. How can we get our kids to kind of turn back around or come to? Uh-huh. How can we get the? How can we turn them back online? It's right. almost uh, like they just yeah. completely are. You know, they're offline. Their their body's not. Their brain's not able to 
they don't have the capacity in the moment to be able to process information. Right, and being able to recognize that, and then, and then how do we just stop, right, and just yeah. kind of go, okay, you're not, you know, and to be able to love them up with that, and that's yeah. the hard thing, is like, and that's where I think delayed consequences is a wonderful thing, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, at this given moment, your child is completely not in their own body, right. they're like someplace else yeah. having a major fit, yeah. and, and then how do we compassionately yeah. hold them accountable yeah. without feeling the need to like, that we're, or feel like we're condoning their behavior, right? Because right. it's like, okay, calm. It's like we would, and when we think about like a raging like infant, yeah, it's just we would probably hold them and rock them right. and, and, and swaddle them and just right. kind of like, and how do we do that for an older child? And then when they're calm to be able to come back and kind of go, okay, yeah. now it's time to go back to where we were before. Yeah. And that's the hardest part because... You might have three or four other kids, or you might be late for going to an appointment, or you're, and yeah. it's just not convenient. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. like really bad timing, right? right? right. It's like, this is really bad timing. Yeah. And to be able to kind of know, like, okay, you know, what's, yeah. what's in the best interest for everybody involved? Right. Um, and I think that's really important for moms to give, be, give, give themselves permission to be able to say, at this given moment, what's going to bring me the most joy? Right. Right? Yeah. So that, because if mom can stay, grounded and calm yeah. yeah then then what you know that it could take three minutes and that she might be only five minutes late versus right Much three longer. hours or yeah. just push through it and then you have a kid that or just, just don't go i mean there's so many right that's always that piece like, too we're just not even going any like we can't take you out in public right, right, like. right yeah and i hear a lot of parents are like yeah but then everybody else misses out and that's the truth it's like and that's the tricky piece right and they're yeah. so like how do you handle that when the kid yeah. other kids who've been really really good are like looking forward to this event and then yeah. like you know the, the sister or the brother kind of like loses it um so it's always like having that pre-planned premeditated kind of like okay in the worst case scenario how are we going to handle this yeah if if one of the kids just completely freaks out and and can't go right right and how do we go ahead and and go anyways but put that child in a position where they're like they're not you're, you're on the you're in the mode of like you have you're not really at this event right yeah yeah and sometimes we'll put them in the carrier yes yeah. I mean they're uh-huh. small enough still yeah. where they can just be yeah. in a carrier or in a stroller or uh, Quinn sometimes gets overwhelmed like at big things and mm-hmm. so he's one of the first ones to want to go anyway yeah and so we went to Chinese New Year's celebration for Kai this last week and uh-huh. there was like 400 people in this <laughs> gym and Quinn was like yeah. Yeah, like this is yeah. a lot and yeah. so, uh, so we went and it was still fun, but we just uh-huh. didn't stay for a long time. Yeah. And we let the girls try all the Chinese, like they were all like, you know, they had like, um, tables on all the outside mm-hmm. of the gym and then there was like food at each one. Right. So the girls were like, <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> and, uh, but they seemed to be loving the food yeah. uh, and loving it. So, um, yeah. So yeah, it's right. It's like, how do we still go, go do things as a family mm-hmm. with nobody else missing out, but still yeah. support our kid, our other children yeah. struggle. And the thing about reactive attachment disorder, not only do other people not understand it, but it's almost like an invisible disability. It's yes. like, mm-hmm. because when people come home with, you know, CP or, right. or one know, limb or, or yeah, one yeah. limb or mm-hmm. heart issues where they're in and out of the hospital and everybody knows about it. And right. it seems like people are more able to talk about, mm-hmm. hey, my kid has a heart issue right. versus like, they're mentally unstable right now is what you feel like, you know? Um, don't mind that. <laughs> don't mind that they're taking your wallet off the wall and throwing it in your toilet. 
happened. <laughs> Which happened, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. 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 It it's, is. it's almost invisible. And almost, in some ways, you feel a little bit shameful. Right. But you have to yeah. make sure that you're not getting in that, like, shame place, yeah. you know, and that you're able to have a healthy place to just auditorily mm-hmm. process it sometimes. I think shame is like a whole topic on itself, you know, the shame as we that we feel as parents, the shame that our kids feel, the shame that we put yeah. on our kids. Absolutely. It's really good. Um, so, uh, and, and, and how do we move a child from shame into guilt and then guilt into being proactive and to, you know, when someone feels guilty, they're wanting to make it better. Mm-hmm. When they feel shame, they're just feel, feeling humiliated yeah. mm-hmm. and they're feeling stuck and they just want to like crawl into a hole. And a lot of times, you know, including myself, when we feel really shamed, we just want, we lash out in anger, mm-hmm. you know, so we become blame sarcastic someone. or we blame someone else or we get really like, just, oh Yeah. This, that's same is not a pretty picture. <laughs> and most of our kids are just inundated with shame. Mm-hmm. They're just really struggling with it. Um, so I think that's like, you know, like what are healthy boundaries look like? And then shame is like a whole other topic on itself. Um, what does the attachment cycle look like? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That could be like a first one because that's a really kind of basic kind of like, you know, good to know, like, what is the attachment cycle? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Right. Because um, it's a cross culture, you know, the, right. it's like the attachment cycle in any culture is going to, it's always going to have its little different flavors, but it's always going to be kind of the right. same process. Just that kid going out. Have you been, are you fearful to let your kid kind of go out and come back to you for safety? Yeah. You know, or... So do you have a hard time letting your kid go out? Do you have a hard time letting them come back into you? Mm-hmm. You know, some parents are like, oh, no, go. Like, come right. home when the streetlights come on, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, then, and then, like, oh, they're coming back, yeah. you know? Um, every parent has, like, a different mm-hmm. place that they, and it might be different for the wife or the yeah. husband. And yep. So find yeah. what that looks like. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, you know, you have all the developmental stages, too, in that, in that mm-hmm. attachment cycle, yep. right? That, you know, that... And trust versus mistrust. Right. You know, they're like Erickson's. Mm-hmm. Guilt versus shame yeah. versus, you know, the approachment stage. And, yeah, all those stages that, yeah, I think those are good points. Because so. I think some people, I mean, if you don't have any kind of education in early childhood, the only thing you have to go off of is how you are... How you erase yourself, you right? Yourself. Yeah. You yep. don't really have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. So some of these very basic things mm-hmm. I think would be good to just start yeah. off saying, well, this is what this is. This mm-hmm. is what this looks like. Yep. Piaget's stuff mm-hmm. and, and then Bonnie Cohen stuff. Yeah. Cool. And then just the neurodevelopment too, right? In the in the embryology piece of it too, which is really important too. Absolutely, FASD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can talk about like yeah. some of the things our kids come home with that, like, yep. like I'll never know if our kids right. necessarily, if their parents drank or mm-hmm. not, or uh, for mom. What is it exactly that our kids come home with, right? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, we just don't know. Certain areas are kind of known more for certain things, but like. Our girls lived in a very tribal, mm-hmm. small area. I mean, who knows what was seen as normal or and what wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what What exactly is, is it that our kids come home with on a, on a physical level, on an emotional level, mm-hmm. 
on a cultural, spiritual level. Yeah, I mean, food I, changes. Right, exactly. Yep. I mean, especially if you're coming to the United States and all of a sudden you're eating a ton of dairy and a ton of yeah. wheat. Yeah, right. You know, and you've right. been used to like teff flour and mm-hmm. rice, you know, and that's going to look, your belly's going to feel different and all the artificial flavors that, and colors that are in our food today versus... Yeah. Yeah, I, I worked with a family where they, you know, they brought their child home, and, and it took them a little while to figure out they couldn't hear. Oh goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. or see, you know, yeah. or like there's like some or digestive issues. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't. We sometimes we just don't think about these things. Yeah, yeah. well, because they're not. It's on their paperwork, so you don't expect right, it's it. It's not in their paperwork, and you know they're two years old, and they seem to be doing mm-hmm. fine, and mm-hmm. they seem a little quiet, but you know, right so well behaved they're quiet because right. they can't hear anything right <laughs> that has to be a hard yeah do they get hearing aids or anything yeah yeah mm-hmm. okay. yeah. yeah yeah so I've seen um, lots of kids with like cochlear implants mm-hmm yep yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, and that's so, the thing that with, as far as like adopting internationally mm-hmm. like, I think it's important to know like I mean one piece I think is important to educate families is like you can get this medical file and you can trust it as much as you want. Right. But it's not always going to be true. Right. You might get information. Oh, yeah. um, I know, and sometimes your kid is younger or older than, than you oh, thought they all were. The time. Yeah. yeah, it happens all They're the time. Bone grafts. Right. And, yeah. Yep. Most of the times the kids are usually older than they than they than we think they are. Yes. Um, because they're so malnourished they're, yep. and they're tiny. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you But if they've been abandoned, you don't, right. they don't necessarily know. Yeah, so it's exactly. not even always like people mm-hmm. are lying. But, right. Sometimes we think is. that right. this child is this age, right? Yeah. right? yeah, yeah. And the reality is, like, wow, you know, they're like eight years old going through puberty. You're like, hmm, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our girls are so tiny. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the kids were um, in the orphanage. I mean, they're all small. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, it's just it's this it's the you know the failure to thrive. Yeah. Yep. And what does that look like for each child? Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting to even talk about reactive attachment disorder in families, mm-hmm. like biological. Yeah. Sorry, and yep. and, and uh, not just adoptive families, yeah. but biological. And mm-hmm. does that differ? Yeah. Does that differ from? That's what we're seeing a lot in fam- in military families now. A lot of reactive attachment See, disorder. I wonder that, and I also wonder, and I don't even like to say this out loud, but it's been on my mind, so I'll just mm-hmm. say it. But like two parent, where you're both working. Oh yeah. And yeah. so, like, yep. you know, I don't know. Like, I have a little bit of guilt, but, like, I remember dropping Quinn off, and he would just cry and mm-hmm. cry at different providers. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, he got kicked out of one because he would just cry. Yeah. And, like, looking back, like, I wish I would have. But I was like, what's wrong with this kid? There's mm-hmm. tons of kids go to daycare, right. and I'm doing my job, and I want to mm-hmm. work. But looking back, like, I wish I would have been oh. more tuned in. And, and at some point, I did. Right. And Mike was gone in residency. Yeah. He was gone all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, just as, you know, I mean, yeah. he wasn't overseas, but, like, right. he wasn't home. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think about that with my own child. Like, you know, it's like, wow. You know, it's just like, and he was two when I started learning, like, really studying mm-hmm. and doing more intensive work with reactive attachment disorder. And, I mean, I was just in tears the entire yeah. class. I was I'm like, sure. oh, my gosh. my This is what my child has. Mm-hmm. And... And so it, it does happen in biological yeah. families. It does. No, it's very different. Yeah. You know, luckily for my son, it was very different, but that's not necessarily always the case. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of families that, that whose kids, the kids are biological and, and there is attachment, yeah. malattachment issues there and reactive attachment disorder. 
blended families, divorce, yeah. illness, yeah. Um, not a goodness of fit. Yeah. Um, and that's just no one's fault. Sometimes right. it's just not a goodness of fit. Right. Like the child won't take to the to the nipple, or yeah. you know, there's something as simple as that. Um, or prematurity. That prematurity, you're born definitely. Twenty three weeks, and you're in the hospital mm-hmm. for oh, yeah. twenty days or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Um, yep. And the mom's exhausted, or mm-hmm. she's had surgery, or yeah. just so many things. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there's like, it is really uh, so much easier when it's full blown. Very clear. Reactive yeah. attachment disorder. Like, like okay. But yeah. then when it's so convoluted with yeah. all of these different multi-layers of, like, what happened to biological mom and dad's childhood and how that affects, and then you have a blended family or you have an illness and or not goodness of fits, and you have all of these, or there's, like, you know, alcoholism yeah. or cancer or... Yeah. The child just, you know, the IQ is low or there's spinal, you know, all these things that play into, that just disrupt the healthy flow of attunement and bonding and attachment. So I was thinking of this, like, it was about 1980 where autism rates, Asperger's really started going up. But that's Uh about the same time you see more like two parent households. Yeah. And I wonder if there's some overlap with. It's a really good question. With Asperger's. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. And, um. And, and reactive yeah. disorder. Yep. I I would not be surprised. It seems such to be such an epidemic for, you know, Aspergers and, and autism and so forth like that. It's like one in thirty six, mm-hmm. now one forty or something. Yep. It's crazy. It is it is really high and But you're also seeing parents who are never home. Mm-hmm. You're seeing like two parent households yep. and you're seeing like some of these kids they go to early school care, so they get dropped off at yep. 6.30, 7 o'clock. They're not coming home till 6.30 or 7. If they have sporting events, they're gone till night. They don't hardly ever see their families. They don't see their families, you know, the whole sit down and eat meal, things has gone out the window. Yeah. The importance of, like, you know, I'm neither here nor near about the importance of going to church, but having a community event, right, yeah. where you just get this time in the, yeah. during the week where it's just family time, like yeah. you're bonding with your community and yeah. your family, yeah. which is, I think, which is where church is so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're instilling a sense of spirituality, which is so critically important mm-hmm. to be able to have the faith that there's something that's yeah, bigger than, than yourself us. out there that's, like, looking after you, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think they're all, that, yeah, and then television and iPhones and electronics, which are all fabulous, but right. when... In context. Like in context, certain, yeah. exactly, yeah. We took it away during the week. We don't mm-hmm. let our kids on it, unless it's like a school project yep. or something. I think but that's so we important. Don't, we have dinner together every yep. night, and we don't let our kids do sports where it's super crazy. Yep. Um, Mike's actually going to coach a... We asked to start a program at the school the kids are going uh-huh. to, where it's just once a week. So instead of even doing Little League this year... Yep. We decided you know what that was a lot of running for the little week yeah um, and last year it was fine because they had two boys on the same team mm-hmm. but this year um it would have been two different teams and they would have just had games four or five days a week and it's only two months but we still like we start feeling disconnected as right. a family yeah, exactly so mike um we decided we put this team together and it's just um like two hours after school on fridays yeah and um so then all three boys can do it, and it's yeah. going to be like second through sixth grade, and then you'll have some of the high school kids that are going to help. Great. But like, what ideas could parents? What ideas could parents mm-hmm. hold on? Where kids are still getting opportunities to right. do things. Yep. But that it's not like, well, we don't have to do competitive sports. Right. You don't right. have to travel every weekend. Exactly. So your kid can play ball yeah. from eight in the morning till eight yeah. at night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and are they going to be major league players? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, and if they are. 
it's good for their bones and their brains and their bodies to develop before they before they're burnt out and injured exactly. by the time they're like 19 and Absolutely. then they're done yeah you know it's like oh you can't play anymore you yeah. know it's like it's typically who it's a lot of times where kids who start these high intensity sports mm-hmm. while they're in middle school yeah. and then they get through high school they get to college and by the time they're sophomores in college they're done yeah. they're they're not only emotionally and physically burnt out but they're injured yep yeah. exactly. and then they have to deal you know it's like they're done. Their body's broken. Yeah. yeah. So it is really, um, so I think, yeah, I think that, you know, reactive attachment disorder and bio families, like, what does that look yeah. like? Yeah, that's cool. Also, like, what can we do to, to keep our, what, what, mm-hmm. like, I'm all about, like, okay, we recognize this, what can we do to, like, get it back? Mm-hmm. So, like, now we've, we're aware there may be a problem that our right. kids are out too yep. much. What can we do to, to bring mm-hmm. our family back together in peace? Like, what can we do to, yep. what goals can we work on? Like, I'm all about, like I said, awareness mm-hmm. and then give me something to work on. Yeah. Like, I want to know, you know, I want a goal for the week. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Like, oh, I like it. Set, yeah. Set 15 to 20 minutes per night with your kid or, mm-hmm. you know, be more compassionate when reacting to your kid who's screaming all day. Right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, it's tough. You know, validate yep. your child's feelings. Yep. Like, just little things. Mm-hmm. Like, try doing this. You know, she's, I, I think it's higher, but the psychiatrist that work, she's like, you know, in the class we learned that it's 30% of the time you need to be connected to your kid, mm-hmm. you know? And so maybe that's like throughout the day they're at school, so that doesn't right. count, but right. I don't know. Yeah. Like, is there a number like that I can reach? Yeah. You know, like. That's that kind of like when Nancy Thomas talks about like 12 hugs a day, you know? Yeah. It's like, what does that look like, right? right? And that's just cool. It's like, and I'll say to parents, it's like, okay, let's start with the child's going to ask for three and the parent's going to ask for three. So that's six hugs a day. Right. And we just build up. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's overwhelming when they say, okay, we go from zero hugs to 12, like, right. like you know? Yeah. And then, or your kids are pushing you away. All right. Like you exactly. try to come into comfort yeah. and reactive mm-hmm. attachment kids are like, either like, right. like away or right. they get fight, right. flight, you know? Yeah. And that's a really good point too. Is like, what does a hug look like? Right. Cause initially right. it could just be like an eye contact yeah. or just a touch on the shoulder. And it's yeah. like, okay, good. That counts Yeah. because it's your, it's like, it's like drop in the bucket. Yeah. Right. It's like, what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. it looks different. Yep. Yeah. So... Yeah, what does connection look like, right? Yeah. Because yeah. at the end, if you haven't had it, you don't know what to yep. expect. Um, yeah, good. I like this. Like ways mm-hmm. that we can connect with our family. Mm-hmm. Well, ways that we can be more compassionate. Yeah. You know, connect and yep. be compassionate. Cool. So thinking about just like having an intro and an outro, like, yeah. you know, like, and just kind of come up with a name, you know, it's kind of like, I think my podcast is now called parenting with reactive I don't know something very very basic yeah so when you plug in a reactive attachment disorder it pops up yeah but I think it could be like that and then underneath that it's like yeah. it's like a subtitle right, right. it's like okay yeah. it's the Tracy and, it's the Tracy and Jen show you know yeah yeah, yeah. just take off and here's where we have so a, ther- a therapist and a parent you know that's that's well averse and and all of this yeah. and we're introducing parents that are new yeah. parent therapists that are new that don't know it and then, and then once there are seasons right this yeah. would be great to talk to some of the people who are asked yeah. your next class ask yeah. the the teachers there yeah. or, you know so I say would you be willing to talk on the podcast right. about like you know what are you teaching and how does that how can that complement reactive attachment disorder and how yeah. is it that what you're teaching works really well for fairly fairly well fit healthy parents yeah. and kids yeah. and not going to work for reactive attachment disorder right. and how do we decipher that right right yeah what works and what yeah. doesn't yeah mm-hmm. and sometimes 
it's almost like you have to go home and just try things out. Exactly. You know, and see because what, what would might work for you might might not work for another family, yeah. right? It's kind of yeah. like another family, like mm, can't do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Whereas mm-hmm. other moms are like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Like they jump right on board, right? And that's yeah. that is like, so what are the different tricks? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Do you see that a lot of your adoptive families, like the parents are pretty responsive to some of the like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say probably eight out of ten of my parents are yeah. really responsive. Yeah, and then the two that aren't, aren't, they still hang in there and they're kind of like looking at me like, oh, she's the witch at the end of the road. Yeah. I'm not sure, but okay. Because yeah. they're desperate. Yeah. Cool. Well, you do almost get to that point where mm-hmm. you're like, I don't want to be with my kids sometimes. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. And, yep. Um, but I think also just saying like, hey, that's normal. Mm-hmm. That's normal to sometimes feel like you don't want to be with your kid that day. Yes. So, you know what I mean? Because I think mm-hmm. we almost like, I think as adoptive parents, we don't want to do anything to right. like further traumatize them. Right. So sometimes we hang in there and we don't leave and we don't like make sure we're getting self-care because we want to make sure that our kids aren't going to, aren't going to further feel like we're abandoning them. Yeah. But then right. we're not getting the rest that we need. Right, So right. it's like this fine balance of yeah. like, I'm feeding into you. I want to give you everything mm-hmm. I have. I don't want you to feel like I'm right. leaving you. Yeah. But I'm drowning here. Yeah. And I yeah. need a breath. Right. You know? Like, right. And I say to parents, abandonment is when you don't come back. Right. Okay. So the child may not know that when you drop them off at kindergarten, right. that you're, that you're going to come back and right. they won't know that until you come back. That. Yeah. So here's the tricky thing. Cause you're like, yeah. oh, but they're going to feel so abandoned. Yes temporarily they will and they have maybe they yes and they have been abandoned right but when you come back their brain's going to go oh yeah okay this mom comes back that's right. not a ab- i'm not i'm not i just don't like it when she leaves yeah I'm st- but i'm not being abandoned right let's say to, i say to parents remember abandonment is when you don't come Ever back come back right <laughs> i think some of us are just so like we just want to do the best we can, right, you know, exactly. and it can yeah. all feel like when you're already stressed, yeah. like it's hard for us to think yeah. sometimes yeah. through it, you know. Yeah. So, Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you found this podcast useful. To add more tips to your bag, scheduled teleconferencing sessions, or intensives with me, visit my website, www.fullcirclefamilycounseling.com, where you can schedule session- sessions access other podcasts and additional support resources. Please be sure to sign up for the newsletter to receive parenting tips, access to webinars, and exclusive content. Take a moment to subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitchers, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. If you have any questions that you would like answered, feel free to email us at tracy at gmail.com. As always, much gratitude to the folks at Love & Logic, Nancy Thomas, Daniel Hughes, and many others for teaching throughout the years on reactive attachment disorder. Until we connect again, remember that you are not alone. Find the humor in the chaos. Stay consistent in your efforts and continue to reach out. I am here healing your heart-to-heart connection one heart at a time.